Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Bills Mafia, what is up? It is Matt Perino here with Ryan Talbot from Syracuse.com and NewYorkUpstate.com. And we got a big show for you tonight. We're really excited about it. If you, if this is your first time here, this is Shout, a Buffalo football podcast. Uh, we, we launched it about a little over two months ago now. And uh, I think we're almost 40 episodes in, Ryan. Can you believe that? I can't believe it. You know, it's they're flying by. It seems like we still have plenty to talk about when it comes to the Bills. Well, yes, tonight it's a great transition because tonight's episode is specifically geared toward the big news that happened over the weekend. The New England Patriots, uh, kind of the forgotten team in the AFC East since Tom Brady took his talents to uh, Florida uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, signed Cam Newton. Uh, to spice things up in the AFC East. And we are going to dedicate this episode to talking about not only what we think Cam Newton can be for the Patriots, but also the impact on the AFC East. And if this has changed uh, at all, our how we view this division and what's uh, going to happen this season. We have some really awesome guests uh, from the Charlotte Observer. Elena Getzenberg is going to join us at 8.15. And then at 8.45, Evan Lazar Patriots beat reporter. Uh, he does a lot of great video work, uh, a lot of great uh, film breakdown. So I really wanted to bring him on to talk about what Cam is going to mean in this offense with Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick. It's funny for years and years and years, I've heard, you know, different reports out of New England and other national media people. Man, wouldn't it be something if Bill Belichick had a guy that could run the football, that had a powerful arm, uh, kind of somebody in the mold of a Cam Newton, and now he has him. So it's 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 it's, it's exciting. So I'm so excited I can't even talk. <laughs> if you were if you were here from the start and you're like, and if it started early, we use this program where uh, we don't know when we're actually going live. So for the podcast version later to save on my editing uh, front. Uh, we kind of just sit there and like smile. So apologies for the awkwardness, but so this is something Ryan that, you know, Cam Newton, and we're going to give our, we're going to dive into this thing. The next 10, 15 minutes, we're going to give our, our kind of takes on this thing before we bring in our first guests. But I think that 
you know, when this news first dropped, I don't know how surprising it was because it's almost like this was the only really fit I thought for camp. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And then you also just look at what this team w- was saying and doing up until this point. You kept hearing, oh, we really, they really like Jarrett Stidham. They really like this fourth round pick that is really unproven, doesn't have great film, even at college or pro level. It, it was hard for, I think, for either of us to envision Bill Belichick going out there in 2020 week one with this inexperienced quarterback and having no one waiting in the wings minus Brian Hoyer, who has definitely seen better days. So like you said, one, there's, there's a fit here. Two, this is legitimate competition. Let's say they are truly high on Jarrett Stidham. Well, now he has to actually prove it and win the job against a capable quarterback. You know, and again, no disrespect to Brian Hoyer, but I don't think anyone in their right mind is expecting Brian Hoyer to come in and, and win this competition. So now, you know, the pressure's on Stidham if he really wants to be that guy. But now as well, Belichick has that guy, that proven entity when healthy can be a difference maker. You know, Elliot, uh, in the comments here, noticing uh, one of the benefits of tuning in for the live show is you get the color-coordinated tag team off the top row coming in with the, the matching red shirts. We know we mentioned it. We don't actually talk about what we're wearing before the shows. This happened organically, but it's a fun time. Um, no, I think that it's interesting, and I think with, with Cam in the mix, I'll say first of all, and, and, I, and I wanted to get your take on this as well, I think it is a competition, but my projection is that Cam Newton is going to be a starting quarterback for the New England Patriots. He looks so healthy. I mean, we, you saw the video that he released when he said he's coming to get to work. Uh, and I think that piece of it is very interesting because for as flamboyant as Cam, uh, that personality has been over the course of his career, nobody denies the work ethic. Nobody de- denies the that this guy wants to come in, get to work, get to know his teammates and, and do anything he can to win. Um, so I think to start off with, I think that Cam Newton is going to be the starting quarterback for the Patriots in 2020. Now, I don't know how many games he's going to play, um, but I want to get into a little bit about what we think this is going to look like because this is a guy that missed almost the entire 2019 season. He played two games before having to leave with a foot injury, the um, the Liz Frank injury that cost him his season. Uh, those things, you know, they're, they're tricky, man. Anything with the feet, especially for a guy like Cam Newton, who's a running quarterback, dangerous stuff man like and at 31 years old as you look into the future here for him that's where you I think a lot of the question marks uh begin for a lot of people that may be questioning whether or not Cam Newton still got it but I gotta say the more I think about this and and, and it's funny when these things happen you kind of give your first take on things and you know uh I go I go back to you know even when we watched him in Spartansburg last year when the Bills had the joint practices it just it didn't look like the same Cam Newton but the more you know, time I spent really thinking about this, I think this could be really good for New England. I think they're going to be competitive. I think they're going to figure this thing out offensively. Like, yes, it's the same weapons for the most part. A couple new tight ends uh, that they had last year, but I think that they're you know Cam Newton's kind of guy that gives you so many looks, so many options as a player, not only as a quarterback but as a player because he can run the football. That I think that there's some intriguing. Um, intangibles with Newton and some intriguing possibilities for this New England Patriots offense. Yeah, he, he definitely opens that offense up. He can be a valuable asset to them, not just as a passer, but also as a guy that can take off and run. And you already mentioned the Liz Frank injury, but you know, maybe that will hamper his mobility here in 2020. Uh, it, Bill's fans that, you know, follow Eden Gaines, he had the same type of injury early in his career and it took him a full season plus 
to get back to where he was. So who knows what that timeline looks like for a quarterback. Uh, but it's it's definitely something interesting to watch. But yeah, I, I think Josh McDaniels can have a lot of fun with this, the offensive coordinator, in terms of uh, building the offense around Newton. And, and I think at the end of the day, anyone who really thought that Bill Belichick was going to go into 2020 with a young quarterback, and I, there was even some people saying, oh, they're going to tank to get Trevor Lawrence. That is not in Bill Belichick's DNA. That's not in his game plan. It, you know, as great as he is, he only has a few seasons left, in my opinion, before he eventually calls it quits too. So he wants to win as much as possible. Bringing a guy like Newton does that for you in 2020. And there's a way that, you know, they can franchise him. If he's playing well this season, you can extend him. They have some options there. So I think the one-year deal was smart for Belichick and the Patriots to see what he has left, and that being Newton. Uh, but but they also give themselves some wiggle room to really re-sign him, extend him, do whatever they have to if he is back to being the Newton that we've come to see and expect in his career. Yeah, and you look around that that New England offense, and it you know it's hard to project what it's going to look like because there's so many unknowns. You know, you you mentioned Cam Newton and his kind of inability to stay healthy in recent years. Obviously, the shoulder issues in the past are, I think probably an even bigger concern because, you know, you think he spent a whole year uh, away from the game. He, he can kind of rehab that foot injury, the shoulder issues. I mean, I feel like it's like a pitcher, man. When you start to suffer those kind of injuries, you know, your, your, your throwing power is never the same. And that's something that I think is separated Cam Newton at, at times, but you look around this other, this offense, Julian Edelman, how dinged up was he last year? I mean, remember in week 16, when the whole week was about, is Julian Edelman going to play against the bills? And then he played in the game and he had to, he had to go to the 10 a couple of times. He missed a big chunk of the, the, the game. He still played and he still played well, but you know, there's some components of this new England offense that I think are aging and, you know, they, they drafted two new tight ends. I think that those are going to be, uh, got it, it, a funny little stat. You know, the last time the, the Patriots drafted two tight ends in the same draft. Yes, I do. <laughs> 2010 Rob Gronkowski and the man who shall not be named. And I Aaron Hernandez, I'm just kidding, but no, they hit home runs, two home runs in that game. It may be a grand slam with, with, with Rob Gronkowski. So, you know, the, the Patriots have proven over the years to be able to evaluate tight end talent uh, and, and find guys that are them. But Nikhil Harry is, is so interesting because Devin Funches, Calvin Benjamin at times have kind of looked good with Cam Newton, right? But it's never been an extended run of success. Calvin Benjamin had his one year where he was really good. And I feel like Devin Funches he kind of hit in spurts. And, and if you look at Funchess's measurables and his performance at the combine and everything like that, they're Funchess and Harry are very similar, you know? And I think that there's not a lot of speed at the wide receiver position for the Patriots. And I think that's something they have to address. And, but I just, there's so many question marks, Dante Scarnecchia, the, the uh, legendary offensive line coach, no longer in the picture. They return all their starters. They're getting David Andrews back at center. They have talent on that offensive line, but what does that mean? Losing a guy like Skarnecchia, who has made so much of so little over the years. So I think there's a, there's a lot of question marks. I think they can rely on the running game because, you know, obviously Sony Michelle has been pretty consistent. He's played well against the Bills in recent years. But with Cam and that running dimension, if he can still run the ball, and that's also, and you can take over here, that's a big question as well. Will 31-year-old Cam Newton be the same Cam Newton that's willing to evade the pocket and run with the ball and take the hits, the most hit quarterback since 20, 2011 in the NFL? Yeah, I think Newton's going to want to be that guy. 
But whether or not Bill Belichick kind of can talk him out of that is the big question, in my opinion, because I think Belichick's going to kind of be that guy that says, listen, you know, you might not have the same speed that you had, the same power that you had. You're coming off of foot and shoulder injuries. You take some hits to either of those areas, you could be out for another extended period of time. At this point in time, you have to be a little bit smarter. And, and you're right. There is still a lot of talent, though, with this team in general. If you can get the run game going with all those backs that the Patriots have, that's going to make it's going to open up things through the air for the Patriots. Uh, as like Edelman, Edelman's a, a really talented wide receiver, but you're right. He was more banged up than that car that he jumped on last year when he got that misdemeanor, <laughs> you know? Uh, so you, you have guys like Edelman and you, and you, and you have uh, Harry, you have some young tight ends. So the talent's there, but there's so many question marks. There's so many unknowns. You lost the greatest offensive line coach possibly in NFL history. Uh, there's some cap questions about what the Patriots are going to do after, you know, signing Newton because they are against the cap a little bit. Someone said that could mean extending the guard that they franchise. It could mean parting ways with some uh, players that have some certain cap hits. So it, it's going to be one of the more, more interesting developments to watch here uh, as we lead up to training camp or, or get into that area closer to the regular season. The allure of the Patriots, or should I say the the Patriots dynasty and what it what it does to people in terms of the rose-colored glasses at which they look upon this team and this franchise is understandable. Listen, this team has been so good for so long, and Bill Belichick has been at the helm, and it's it, you know, it goes back to what Brandon Bean said earlier this offseason. You know, we haven't done anything yet. The Bills might have been for a stretch, and that's another interesting little point here. The Bills were AFC East favorites going into last weekend and exiting this weekend. They are no longer so. The Patriots are the favorites in the division. We're going to talk about so much of that as we move through the show. We'll have our two guests on, and we'll hit a lot of these different things, um, but, and especially this one with Evan, because I really want to get into the way the teams are viewed um, not only nationally, but in both in both markets, because not a lot cha has changed for me. Like I do think the Patriots are going to be better with Cam Newton, but I still don't think they're going to be better than the Bills. I don't think they should be expected to be better than the Bills. The Bills defense is significantly better, has the potential to be significantly better in 2020 than they were in 2019. And that's, that's a scary thought. And there's some questions. Is Josh Norman going to be a guy that could come in here and be a comparable piece to, to, to Tredavious White, will Tr uh, Tremaine Edmonds take the kind of jump that you want to see Matt Milano continue to grow uh, ahead of a contract year? And will this defensive line with all these rotational pieces, will they be able to dominate and get to the quarterback a little bit more? But I think that the the probability is a little bit higher than all of that. All of those things happen than they don't happen. So I think that for people to say that, you know, Cam Newton coming off the couch, where he's going to have an entire new offense to learn in. He's Cam Newton. He's been, this is not his first rodeo. It's, that's probably not going to be the toughest part, but getting in sync with teammates, how long is it going to take him to get back into football shape, get his timing down? There's so many question marks where the biggest question that I think people are have about this Bills team is Josh Allen. And that's a guy that scored 29 uh, touchdowns last year. Only five people in the NFL scored more. Yeah. Building that chemistry is going to be huge for Cam Newton because we're already looking at training camp, yes, starting on July 28th, but tonight reports that preseason is going to be cut down to two games. Could it get cut down even more than that as, as we get closer and closer? Possibly. Now, he's going to have from July 28th throughout training camp to get to know those teammates, but it's not a traditional offseason. Nothing about 2020 is traditional. But it's going to be harder for Newton to kind of get into the swing of things and, and get to know those guys. So he really might be working on his chemistry on the fly week 
one, week two, week three, all the way, you know, maybe even up to that first Bills matchup. Who knows how long it's going to take? It's an interesting development. You're right when it comes to the Bills. You know, the Bills have continuity on their side on both sides of the ball. And a lot of those new pieces, guess what? They were in Carolina. So they already know Sean McDermott's defense. There's not as much of a turnaround there. So definitely something interesting to watch. And I'm with you. I, I think the, the Patriots are going to be better. But I still think the Bills are the, should be the favorites and will be the favorites to win the AFC East when all is said and done. When this happened, I, I started on Monday um Tuesday and this is a stretch of the offseason that's that's really dead so I I got a chance to kind of go through some of the national stuff and we will get to this later on in, in the show because I want to talk about some of the people's reactions to this Cam Newton uh news because it's fun but speaking of fun we have a special guest today from the Charlotte Observer Elena Get Getzenberg how are you Elena thank you so much for joining us I'm doing well thanks for having me how are you guys doing we're wonderful. We are wonderful. And I got to say, big fan of the Charlotte Observer, Jordan Rodriguez, going back uh, a, a few writers, uh, came on my show, and I've become very good friends with Marcel Louis-Jacques, who is now here in Buffalo, who had uh, glowing reviews of you and told me to definitely get you on the show. So thank you so much for taking some time. Of course. It's quite the legacy that has preceded <laughs> me at the Observer. There's quite a group, so it's an honor to be you know, talked about among them. That's awesome. So this was this last season was your first year on the beat and it was a weird year to cover the Panthers because it's been, you know, Cam Newton's team for a decade. And so the way this thing all played out, the way the season went for him to get injured, miss most of the year, the uncertainty all off season, the coaching change, all that kind of stuff, coaching search. When, when Cam was released, how surprised were you, even though it was something that I think a lot of people expected could, could be something that could happen. Yeah, I wasn't surprised. Um, I think it's something that, you know, was coming. There was this point where the injuries, and once they hired Matt Rule, it really all kind of cemented together that Cam's future just wasn't, it didn't make sense. Um, Cam wanted, was interested in something potentially more long-term that the Panthers, given his injury history, given the fact that he's now 31 years old, weren't, you know, that's just not where they wanted to go. So, you know, maybe the rumors and all that that went before it kind of like made things seem a little off. But I think it always made the most sense for both sides, honestly, for the parting of ways, even though it's never moving on from your franchise quarterbacks never going to be easy, but it made sense. Mm -hmm. One of the, you know, you listen to all the, the talk shows, the national shows, especially during quarantine and, you know, during the COVID-19 pandemic, I find myself watching more of it because there's not a lot else to do. And, you know, one of the big things with Cam is he's such an overpowering uh, personality. I mean, I mean, he's a superstar. The guys, certain people are just so charismatic and they, and they bring something that he's brought going back to his days at Auburn. But I think that the fit with New England here is, is, is such an interesting co um, conversation because, you know, from the outside looking in, I've always looked at Cam as this guy that was larger than life, that kind of carried himself like that. And it almost kind of seems like the opposite of what Bill Belichick and the, and, the, and the Patriots would want. So I guess what are your thoughts in terms of how he can maybe fit in with the Patriots in the locker room? Yeah, I think there's been so much talk about the fact that like Cam's got a personality, <laughs> which is like very true. He He is a character. He... I didn't even get to spend a lot of time around him and I like immediately caught on to 
him as a person, a very unique person. But I think if any team, honestly, like there's a lot of teams that were linked to Cam, the Chargers, um, you know, as backup roles, maybe the Redskins, something like that. But I think for me, like when I think about Bill Belichick, it's not like he hasn't dealt with personalities before. I mean, he dealt with Randy Moss just fine. Like that worked out. Gronk, I mean, he probably has more of like a personality than Cam almost. Like I think, you know, Cam always has that association with him and it, he definitely, you know, cares a lot about Cam and like has a certain personality, but he also, I think him and Belichick might get along great because they both really want to win. Like Cam really does care about that. Um, so yes, he does have that personality, but the biggest thing is I can't tell you how many teammates, like when the locker room was clearing out at the end of the season, every teammate we asked, literally every single one was like, God, I hope Cam's back. Or like, I miss, you know, it was Cam. That's why things went south. So I think, yeah, he's got this personality, but the locker room will love him and Belichick will deal with him, I guess is the best way to phrase it. Mm -hmm. um, from a playing like perspective, I mean, when we're talking about, okay, fast forward to September, he's healthy, there's no problems, he's able to be the starting quarterback. What should the expectations be for Patriots fans and, you know, AFC East uh, fans uh, about what Cam can potentially do because you know I, I've maintained that I think missing an extended period of time like he has we're talking about three months worth of football I think that it's going to take him some time to get back to even where he was in 2019 but at 31 years old and the kind of style of play that he you know he uses what what are we looking at here in terms of Cam the player in 2020 yeah, and I think that's honestly the biggest question. I mean, you look back, like, he played two games in 2019, and he also – he didn't play the last two games of the 2018 season. So you're talking about someone who, like, over, I don't know, a year or so, you know, he hasn't played a ton, a ton of football. I mean, he played most of the 2018 season, but his – he just hasn't played a lot of football because then he had his shoulder issues. So I think – I mean – you, if you listen to Charlotte, you know, for the past three months, everything with Cam is his health, literally everything. It's, it starts and ends there. So, I mean, a healthy Cam Newton, I agree with you. I don't think he's going to be like top shape We may never see 2015 Cam again. That seems unrealistic, but 2018 Cam at this first half of that season, he was great. Like he played really well. So I think if he's healthy, I think he can beat the first half of 2018 Cam, maybe not at the start of the season, but at some point, especially because you know Josh McDaniels is going to create an offense that works for him. He's, he can do that. We know he can do that. So I think if he's healthy, I think it could go well, but health is like, it's it literally, it, it's all that matters with Cam. Mm -hmm. His I mean, it's his shoulder more than anything else right now, but if he's healthy, will be the theme for the rest of his career, I think. Do you think we're going to see a different Cam Newton in terms of he was a very physical, uh, physical style? He he wasn't he didn't shy away from contact. But as you mentioned, shoulder injury, foot injury, 31 years old. So coming into the season with New England, do you see maybe Bill Belichick trying to get him to reel it in a little bit in terms of stay in the pocket unless you absolutely have to scramble? Or do you still see him being that guy that says, no, I can still do this. I can still take on those hits, which we've all seen him do throughout his career. Yeah, I think that the way you phrased it was perfect because it's probably going to be like a combination of both, right? Like, I think Bill Belichick for sure is going to be like, hey, like, it's not worth you getting hurt. I mean, we're also assuming he's starting. I think that, you know, we all think that's the case, but the health thing, you know, but when he is playing, I think 
you know, it will be kind of reel it in some, which he got better with at to some extent. But I still think he's going to, you know, want to play the way he's comfortable playing. Um, and it's also good. I mean, what I'm interested in seeing is Cam played many years behind a really bad offensive line. Like the Panthers gave him some. He never really had a good left tackle or like much consistency up front. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see. Maybe that helps him feel like he doesn't need to make those risky plays as much. You know, the Patriots offensive line isn't fantastic, but it's better than a lot of Panthers ones were when Cam was there. So I think we'll see his style of play. I wouldn't be surprised to see it change some for sure. But I still think he's going to want to do, you know, he'll make choices that are traditional Cam. I can't see him getting away from that. I'm, you know, I want to see what this version of Cam looks like almost like the the most the biggest reason I want to see it is because he seems so motivated and he seems so angry. I mean, I was doing a search on YouTube just for highlights and I've been watching some some game pass on Cam the last couple of days and the one thing that uh keep keep coming up was heated in quotations Cam Newton and he's mad, he's pissed off. I mean, you know, he was the guy there and and really really kind of defined that franchise for you know in, in this century at least and I, I think that an angry cam newton and i know bills fans probably don't want to hear this there's a real chance that that kind of motivation could kind of spur him to find some of the the success that he had early on yeah i agree i mean i think we've seen cam wanted just this is not a secret cam himself said it on, and if you haven't seen his flashy YouTube video, he likes to do those. <laughs> um, but he came out and said, you know, it was something we reported, but he said publicly for the first time, like since the release and all that, yes, he wanted to stay in Carolina. He said it all along, but this was like, you know, he wanted to be there. So of course, if you want to be somewhere and they're like, mm, don't want you, like that's going to create a hard feeling. So I definitely think he has created such a chip on his shoulder. He's pissed off. Like he wants to fight. So I definitely think that's going to create an interesting edge. And, you know, when we were talking about him making some of those decisions to move around in the pocket or do different things, like he might want to go more ambitious because he's like wants to prove people have been doubting him for months and he listens to that stuff. So I think he feels like he has a lot to prove and we'll see, you know, he hasn't really been in this position before. So it's going to be interesting to see like, how big that chip is. Yeah. And you know, what's really interesting. You've mentioned the chip on the shoulder and the bills seem to target players that have the chips on the shoulders, but uh, going with a little bills Patriots talk here, they've kind of gone back and forth on who the division favorite is. Now the Patriots have kind of gone in the lead again in terms of betting odds after the Newton signing, but how, in, what, what are your thoughts on the fact that he's coming to a division where Sean McDermott, the bills head coach knows him possibly better than any other quarterback in the NFL. I'm really excited for those games, but <laughs> I just as like a casual fan. I mean, when you think about like, you know, that matchup, I mean, it's Mario Addison is there, you know, going to be playing someone who Cam knows really well, like just, and you know, Eric Washington is there now too, who Cam spent a lot of time with Sean McDermott, of course. So I think, you know, we make a lot of fun down here about how many Panthers players the Bills keep, you know, and people from the Panthers organization. So I think, I mean, people who are experienced against Cam and know his weaknesses and strengths are going to make those games more interesting. I mean, I can't, it's just going to, it's going to be great. I can't wait to watch. But I think there is a real component there where, like, no one else knows Cam and, like, how to play against him in that way. I think the most interesting thing is how much is, 
you know, Josh, is Josh McDaniels really going to adapt that offense in a different way? We haven't seen Cam before. I think that's the big question is, are they not going to want him to run as much? Cause that's maybe not the style of offense they want to play. So I think those will be the big questions, but I'm sure Sean McDermott will have a great plan <laughs> for whatever they're doing with Cam. Yeah. It's, I was joking with uh, Cam Lewis, who is a, a depth cornerback uh, on the team. And I said, it's funny that you're even still on the roster because I thought a prerequisite was you had to spend at least some time in, in Carolina, one of the Carolinas at least. Um, but yeah, it's a fun. We, we have some fun with it locally here as well, but it's funny because this year it's almost like they're going to have the last laugh because what's going to come into play in this season as we, you know, continue to keep our fingers crossed that there's going to be one. And, you know, we've had some, some big news today that they're, they're, they're shortening the preseason some reports are saying that there might not even be no preseason. So continuity is going to be king. And, you know, this team now together, this off this coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball is pretty much intact with Buffalo since McDermott got here on the offensive side, at least going back the last two years, most of the guys are are, are still in place and the players. I mean, even you, you continue to go down the list of, 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 of ex Carolina players, but even Seattle players that have kind of a connection through Dan Morgan and, and AJ Klein, who was in new Orleans, but played for McDermott in Carolina. So it, it, it's crazy, but this could be the year where that's the kind of team that you want to have built. Everybody knows what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, I think you look too at the quarterback situation, the Patriots actually have and Cam's at a disadvantage because of this offseason, not only in terms of whatever's going on with his injuries, but just learning a new offense. I mean, Brian Hoyer's been in that offense for, you know, he knows that offense very well. And I mean, Jared Stidham has had time to learn it. So in terms of that, Cam is like learning something new with not even like the virtual OTAs. And, you know, that's a factor. I don't think we can ignore that and say that doesn't matter that's going to matter this year, like how much time you had for that. So a team like the Bills who have, you know, they have the same quarterback, they have the same system set up. There's not that change. I think that's, I mean, it's going to be one of the more interesting things to watch this year. I mean, the Panthers are a team that are (laughs) such a disadvantage because it's all completely new. So I think when we talk about him, I think that's a factor because he is, he's been not talking to this team for, he's just starting and he's not going to get to be, fully ingrained until training camp. I think that's a big deal. That's a great, great point because, you know, in in the buzz of this, these last few days, I think that's a point that's getting kind of lost in that he's missed out on even like the last two months with virtually we've talked to, you know, Josh Allen, who talked about how important it was to get on the same page with Stefan Diggs, who's being added. We're talking about a quarterback who wide receiver or running back, they got to learn their role and how they fit in. A quarterback's got to know what everybody's doing. And so to your point, we, we're literally uh, you know, seven, eight weeks away from the start of the NFL season. He's going to have to take a crash course. Now, it's not some you know youngster coming into a system. He's been in the league. I'm sure that he's the kind of guy that he's a bright dude. So I think that uh, uh-oh, the, uh, the podcast listeners are going to get mad at me. Whenever my, my dog alarm goes off, they get really upset. <laughs> even in the comments. Don't leave us a bad review. But um, I think it's it's so interesting because you, you mentioned everybody's kind of, you know, making Cam Newton the starter. And and I opened the show today by saying that I think he's going to be a starter, but I'm sitting here 30 minutes later and thinking, well, he might not be the starter to, to open things up because he's going to have a lot of work to do in the next two months to get there. Yeah. I mean, I think one factor for me too, with like Cam being the starter or not is, 
you know, there's a reason not a lot of teams were interested. I mean, as we've been, you know, I've been watching, we've been waiting for like, so he's been posting lots of workout videos of how healthy he is and all that. But I mean, if he's such a good quarterback and he's day one starting material and the NFL feels that way, he's not sitting around for Jameis Winston doesn't get signed before him. Like, that's just the reality of it. I think his injuries and the facts that, you know, there's a lot involved. So I think naming him the starter right now, you know, and you add in the virtual offseason, he missed out on like, I think it's too early. I just think we don't know right now, like week one right now to me, maybe, I mean, definitely at some point we, I think everyone can agree. He's going to start a game this year. That seems like, duh, but (laughs) there is like some factor where you have to say like, he has a lot working against him to start, you know, week one. He's not the, like, you don't look at that roster and with all the circumstances and go, Cam is starting week one. I just don't think you do that. Uh, and do you think the the reason Newton had to, not just waiting, but the reason he signed a one year deal is because the Patriots, just like every other team, they're not buying into him being a long term starter until they see that he can be fully back to, not necessarily the old Cam Newton, but be a hundred percent for an entire season. Yeah, I think it's a couple of things. I think he probably wasn't getting very many offers for more than one year. I don't think. I mean, he took. He's getting like the minimum. I think. That was that probably hurt his ego more than anything else that no one was really interested in investing in him. Um, but I think it's also Cam wants to prove himself. Like I said, like I think that's a huge motivating factor for him. That like people know, oh, he only got like a one year deal for one million or whatever it is. So I think you know it's a couple of things he probably wanted to prove that he deserves a bigger deal and like do one season this weird kooky season whatever this is going to be and then try to get a bigger deal with the patriots elsewhere whatever it may be and then i think it was also just that teams are really concerned about that shoulder in him sustaining at 31 years old nine years into his career so before I let you get out of here, I want to pick your brain a little bit on Mario Addison because I, I think, you know, Ryan and I, and I have talked a lot about this defense and we opened the show with it today too. I, I really think that this defense, it's going to be better than it was last year. Just just based on the additions alone, I think Mario Addison is the best pass rusher that Jerry Hughes has gotten to play with since Mario Williams in 2015. So I, I think that there's so much potential for, you know, not only do you have one of the best corners in the league, in Tredavious White, but not and one of the best safety duos and Micah Hyde and Jordan Player. But now you could start to really ratchet up the pressure with some of the pass rushers they brought in. AJ Epinesa is a rookie that's going to be entered in the mix as well. But Mario Edison is such an interesting one because obviously the history there with Eric Washington. He's had at least nine sacks the last four seasons with Eric Washington there. He he played for Sean McDermott. I mean, what are the Bills getting in Mario Edison? If I was a Bills fan, I'd be excited. <laughs> but I think also, I think I'm coming in with the Carolina perspective, though. He's obviously getting older in age, and maybe he's not going to have quite the success. I mean, he led the Panthers in sacks last year. That's just, you know, that's how good, you know, how valuable he was. They're going to miss him on the Panthers' defense. I mean, it's a whole different defense, but they're going to miss that kind of veteran presence that he brought. And he's consistent. You know what you're getting in him. And he's also, I mean, I think an underrated thing with him in the Panthers locker room is he's one of the leaders of that defense. And I know the Bills defense is in a different situation, but I think you get someone who's a really good locker room presence. Like the Panthers organization loved Mario Addison. Like he was a huge figure in that organization. Um, When his brother passed away last year, you know, Marty Herney went to the, the Panthers general manager, went to the funeral. Like he's just a huge part of the organization 
And I think that speaks to who he is as a per like as a presence in that locker room. Like I think you're getting maybe he's getting older and he won't be quite what he once was on the field, but you're at least gonna get a you know, someone who's consistent on the field and someone who's a really good locker room presence. So I mean he I can promise you he's someone the Panthers will miss. And I think it's something like I said, if I was a Bills fan, you're getting a veteran presence who is going to be consistent. Maybe he, maybe it won't be nine sacks this year, but he's going to be someone who I would say you can count on. And like I said, I the Panthers will miss him. So Bills fans be excited. But I think that too, all that's great stuff. I think that too, if he ends up with five, six sacks and Jerry Hughes gets his first double digit sacks uh, since 2014, I think that's the kind of impact that Mario Addison could have on this defensive line. And that you mentioned the leadership and it's so funny. We're in the virtual off season and we're not in the locker room. We're not able to talk to a lot of these guys, but the conversations that I have had, he's already established himself as somebody that's in the room, that's speaking up in meetings. And that's unreal because he hasn't even gotten a chance to really break bread uh, with these guys yet, really get a chance to kind of dig in and meet them. And I think that that goes to show that not only is he a leader and he can be a leader with what he does in the field, but Guys respect him just from, you know, what they've heard about him. I'm sure Eric and Sean have had very nice things to say about him, but that that's quite a, an important piece of this for a team that's losing Lorenzo Alexander on the year uh, on the heels of losing Kyle Williams in 2019. So, you know, to your point, I think Mario Addison is going to be huge, but I also want to ask you too. I keep saying one more, one more <laughs> Vernon Butler is this kind of mystery man, because you know, they, they drafted Epinesa. I think Addison was kind of the the big uh, defensive free agent acquisition outside of Josh Norman, who happened kind of before free agency. But I, I feel like Vernon Butler is somebody that could potentially come in here and replace Jordan Phillips in a lot of ways, be that kind of combo three tech um, to, to go with Ed Oliver, who's obviously their young uh, starter, who's good, who they want to establish a little bit more this year. But he also could play five tech, and he was he backed up star in Carolina years ago. So where where is he going to fit here? What, what what does he do well? Because it seems like he can kind of do a little bit of everything. Yeah, I had one more thing about Mario Addison before oh, I nice. moved on to Jordan I just wanted to say that with those nine sacks, that was in a really bad defense. <laughs> so I think that's important. Like, I know we talk about stats and whatever, but I think it's important to contextualize it. And the Panthers defense was horrible last year, even though they had a lot of good pieces. So I think it's important to think, you know, the Bills are going to have a good defense. So what he can do in that system. Um, but to Vernon Butler, I don't know. Like, <laughs> he, he kind of, he was, he got better as his career progressed in Carolina. He had he was he was one of those guys who was not saying like the Panthers were done with him. They were not going to give him more money. I don't know if you guys know about his. He got ejected from the Colts game at the end of the season. I'm sure you've read up on that, but that was like his official ending was giving the middle finger to the Colts fans. Um, but I think in terms of what he can do, I think he has a lot of potential. Like I think that's something when I was reviewing, you know, what free agents would be leaving the Panthers. He was one where it's like. I see why they're not giving him more money, but he has the potential to be a good part of a, a defense where he can develop more. I think, like you said, like he can fill in different holes where you need him. And I think that's maybe, I'm sure Sean McDermott, you know, they'll find a way to use him in what works best. I don't know if we've really seen him in his best form yet. He's definitely been improving, 
but he's someone who I would say like potential, but like hasn't fully gotten to where he needs to yet. He needs to continue developing, um, which is why the Panthers didn't really want to invest in him for a variety of reasons. But that was part of it where it's like, he hasn't gotten to where they wanted him to be. Um, I think if used correctly and maybe find what works best, I think he could be someone, you know, who long-term, you know, becomes a, so a reliable defensive player. That was his biggest issue, I think, is consistency just wasn't there. It, it, it's interesting. You said find what works best because he is coming off of a career year, though, because he, he kind of did a little bit nothing kind of early on in his career, to, to be quite honest. But last year, he flashed. He, he had about five sacks. Was it something that he discovered? Was it something maybe Eric Washington figured out? Like, what was the light bulb, so to speak, that came on for him? And, and should is it maybe a positive note knowing that he has that defensive line coach with him here in Buffalo, maybe that he can build on that in, in 2020 and beyond? Yes, absolutely. Because I think you have someone in Eric Washington who's been there with him for a lot of years now. So he's definitely, if someone can get it out of Vernon Butler, it's absolutely going to be Eric Washington. It makes all of the sense in the world. Um, and I think in terms of last year, I mean, I think while I say the Panthers defense was bad, he also had like a, a lot of veteran, you know, they brought in some guys like, you know, Gerald McCoy was there, Bruce Irvin came in, like they had these veteran presence to kind of help him out. And maybe like, I think he started to get more comfortable too. And it was the fourth year of his career. So I think, you know, there's a variety of factors, which is why I see him potentially doing well in a defense like the Bills have, where they have more veteran players to put around him. I mean, I think the consistency, I really don't think you can overstate, you know, I think that'll really help him to be able to find that right spot. I think, having a career year last year, like you said, you know, it was a good year. It was an improvement. And I think he still, you know, consistency was still, you know, the numbers were good, but consistency was still a little bit of an issue. But I think with that comes like a potential for a really good fifth year. And so he's definitely someone who I think made made sense to sign. And especially with Eric Washington there, like I said, if someone can do it, it would make sense for someone who knows him well to bring it out. Last off season, um, one of the free agents that I for sure thought the bills were going to land was Daryl Williams, because obviously the Carolina connections and, you know, maybe that you know, the Panthers run the fence about wanting to bring him back. He ended up signing a one-year deal kind of played all over the place last year was kind of bad in some of those places. And now he's here and he's going to compete on a line. That's basically returning all five starters. And, but there's some opportunities, even though that's happening and some question marks on the right-hand side. So is, now, this is a guy that was an all-pro, second-team all-pro in 2017. Is, is is there any bright future for Daryl Williams? Can he still kind of maybe recapture some of that magic? Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the best thing about Daryl Williams, which you said, like the Bills have an offensive line. Like they don't need him in a – I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but they don't need him like to fill a spot right away at least. The good thing about him is he's – he has versatility like he can fill in where you need him he can do it he can be in a variety of spots or not just on the left side though right not on the left <laughs> side because that didn't go too well from the games that i watched <laughs> he can though <laughs> he can you're right no <laughs> lies detected right. <laughs> okay fine i'll rephrase he some some spots better than others okay he, he has experience playing different spots not oh. always well um, but I think, you know, he's one of those guys who he may never be like a starting, like I want him to be on my offensive line 16 games of a season. That may not, not be him. And that's probably, you know, the Panthers didn't bring him back for a reason, but I think 
he is someone who you want as a backup purely for like he may not play well on the left side or you know fill in a certain spot well but he can play that spot so mm-hmm. to me it's a depth it's just depth like I don't think I wouldn't have super high expectations but if I was picking especially for this season where like what if you're someone on your off you lose two offensive linemen well you want someone who can fit in multiple spots so I think he's that kind of guy where like I said I wouldn't start him but <laughs> he's like he's a good depth guy Awesome. Well, this was an awesome segment. We've kept you a little bit long. Elena Getzenberg, find her on Inst- or on Twitter. Uh, you're going to want to follow her Bills fans because every off season, it seems at least three or four Carolina Panthers are, are, are shipped up to Buffalo. She's at a Getzenberg. This was an awesome time. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Take care. Um, as we move along here, we are going to get right into it here because Promptness. I love it. Uh, (laughs) Very, very cool. Uh, Evan Lazar, CLNS media Patriots beat reporter. My man, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for carving out some, some late night time for us. Absolutely. Always happy to come on with Bill's mafia. (laughs) We have no tables and it's a rough night for Bill's mafia because uh, as it stands right now, if the season were to start today, there would be no fans in the stadium. So, you know, people are struggling with that news right now. But some other news that w- we could really dive into here tonight. Patriots have a n- themselves a new quarterback. At, give me, first of all, your reaction. Uh, we, we mentioned it earlier with Elena. This wasn't something that I think was surprising. I think this was always in the cards. Um, but when it finally happened, what was your impressions? Well, I was pretty shocked, honestly, because all offseason long, whether it was me or other reporters down there that are there every day, all we kept on hearing was no Cam, no Jameis Winston, no Teddy Bridgewater. You know, you're dreaming too big, right? Those guys aren't coming here. Relax. You know, it wasn't so much that Stidham was the guy. Stidham was the guy. We were hearing that too, but it was mostly just that they weren't going to overpay for anybody. I think that we just got to the point with Cam that he was taking a veteran minimum deal and it was such a bargain that how can you pass this up and really it's only for one year so you kind of serve it as a bridge right now between Brady and hopefully Stidham or maybe it's somebody that they draft next year so it's really a nice setup for the Patriots it's a cheap deal very affordable big time bargain for a former MVP and they buy themselves some time before they have to turn the reins over to a young quarterback where were your expectations on say Friday of last week and where are they on uh, Wednesday of this week? Well, I would say my expectations are, I'm always cautious with my ex- expectations. So I don't want to raise them too high just because of it's a guy I know, you know, it's, it's Cam mm-hmm. Newton and it's a big time name. And I don't know how much it truly moves the needle for them, but I think that what they do now is their ceiling now with Cam is substantially higher than it was with Jared Stidham. So this is a team that if it all clicks and if, if they can get Cam in comfortable in sort an offense that runs similar to what the Patriots do, but similar to what he does well, then I do think that they now become a team that's sort of a dark horse candidate. I don't know if they're a true Super Bowl contender or what we're typically used to with the Patriots as the favorite, but now they're a team that could go on a run a la maybe the Tennessee Titans last year with Ryan Tannehill, that they put it all together at the right time with the right quarterback and they kind of go from there. But I think ideally for the Patriots, I think an 11-win season is best-case scenario if you consider who they just lost in the offseason. You know, it's funny. You mentioned getting Cam comfortable, not just necessarily with understanding this offense, but 
he missed all the virtual OTAs. He's going to join the team here at training camp at the end of the month. There's only going to be two preseason games. Is there maybe a, a possibility that he doesn't even start the season as their starter because he doesn't have all that knowledge yet? He doesn't have that time that uh, he's missed already this offseason with the virtual offseason? Or is this kind of one of those things where you're expecting he's a he's a veteran, he knows he can get that playbook under his belt pretty quickly? Uh, I, I guess, where do you stand on him starting week one for the Patriots in terms of getting him comfortable? It's a good question. I think the biggest thing with Cam is that in Carolina, since 2012, they've ran the same Earnhardt Perkins system, playbook, verbiage that the Patriots run in New England. So yeah, it's going to be way different, obviously, from what the Patriots do versus what Carolina was doing. Maybe even some things will be called different things and you know he'll have a lot to learn. But at the same time, the way plays are called, the way plays are designed in that EP system are going to be the same. It's going to be a little bit of carryover for him from New England you know, to Carol or Carolina to New England. I think the biggest thing though for the Patriots is, as we know with Bill Belichick, he is the master at crafting his scheme, crafting his defense or his offense around his personnel. What does it, can he do that best utilizes the best strengths of his players instead of making the weaknesses show up? So I think that the Patriots, if they do start Cam, it's going to be a pretty big overhaul just in general to a totally different offense that takes advantage of the quarterback's ability to run the ball and that athleticism as really a ground and pound type of team. Because Cam and Carolina was a big power team, right? They're going to pull the guard, they're going to lead Cam through, and they're going to have some sort of read option type of play or a QB draw or right up the gut with Cam. Those were some of the, off the schemes that they were running in that running game. And it makes it really hard for the defense because they have to play even numbers, right? Someone is always going to get pulled out to either read off of that player and either Cam's going to give it or he's going to keep it. But that defender has to set the edge and has to respect the fact that Cam can keep it. So I think that those types of elements of it is only going to open up paths for running backs like Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, Damian Harris, whoever ends up being only going to open up holes for those guys. And I think that if this Patriots team is going to get where they want to get, they have to kind of lean on that formula of run game, play action, play good defense, play good special teams, win the field position battles, don't turn the ball over. Similar to what we see them do last year or even the year before a little bit. And now with the mobile quarterback, it adds a whole other dynamic to that running game. You look at running games in the past decade that have been truly successful. We're not talking about teams that just got hot on the ground or played a matchup where they ran all over another team, but really a team that's been successful for 16 plus games. We're talking about Dallas with Dak Prescott and Zeke or Baltimore last year, or Colin Kaepernick and the Niners in the early part of the decade. All those things have something in common, and that's that mobile quarterback. And I think that that's really what Cam can do for this offense is make that running game truly the leader, the spearhead of this entire unit so that they can score some points because we saw what the passing offense was for them last year with Brady, and now they're going to put it in the hands of Stidham or put it in the hands of Cam. It's not going to get any better, I don't think, overnight. So I think that that's really what they're going to look at is for Cam to really bring it with the running game so that they can have that be sort of the focal point of the offense and then incorporate play action and RPO and other types of elements as well. So are, are you still expecting then Cam to be the same type of runner that he was before the shoulder and the foot injuries? Do you see them maybe taking the foot off the gas pedal a little bit? You mentioned him with, with what he's done so well in his career, but 31 years old, foot injuries, shoulder injuries, one shot, and he could be out for a significant period of time uh, you know, again. So are you still anticipating the same type of physical running style out of Cam, or do you think they're going to ease off of it just a little bit? 
I would say probably a little bit of easing off. I mean, maybe he slides instead of tries to truck somebody, or maybe he, you know, does something a little bit different in that aspect. I don't know if they're going to call, for instance, I mentioned QB draws and stuff like that. I don't know if they're going to be calling that many of those plays, maybe on the goal line just to punch it in or short yardage or something like that. But I don't think that they're going to ask him to run too many design quarterback runs where he's the primary ball carrier. But I do think that what they can do is that even if he can just show defenders and opposing defenses that he has 75% of the legs that he used to have, just that threat of that being there and the fact that they have to account for him in some sort of way, whether it's in the running game or the passing game with the spy or with his own coverage or whatever it may be, they really can open up a lot of things just by him threatening to run the football, even if he's not carrying the football as many times as we've seen in his career. It's going to be a fun division this year i think that you know i i was pretty much aboard the miami hype train based on what i saw to brian flores last year i think he's a really good coach i think that they have some some pieces there that i like going into free agency in the draft and i think they've done a nice job of adding to the roster obviously the jets are the jets as long as adam gase is there but i still have sam darnold and obviously the bills until sunday were were kind of trending as the as the uh, favorite in the division from the Patriots' point of view, the fan base, you know, the team, where do the Patriots sit in the pecking order? Is this something where you're going into the 2020 season where the expectation still is for the Patriots to win this division? Well, I think the expectations for the Patriots internally is always to win the division, right? And I think that that's the one message that their veterans this offseason are trying to send, guys like Devin McCourty or James White or Matthew Slater, is that nothing changes just because Tom Brady walked out the door. You know, our expectations are still to win football games, are still to compete for Super Bowls. And just because we lost the quarterback, that doesn't mean that that's no longer kind of the expectation or the bar that's being set in the locker room. And they've actually had a lot of discussions internally. A lot of the leaders in that team, the guys I mentioned, some of the other captains, Dante Hightower, David Andrews, have had a lot of discussions with Bill Belichick himself about how do we fill this leadership void left by Tom Brady? Because Tom Brady walks into a room and the bar just goes up immediately, right? I mean, the goat is in the, in the, in the house. Well, obviously, everyone's going to try to heart their hardest. Everyone's going to follow his lead. And he's one of those guys that's in at 6 a.m., out at 8 p.m. every single day during the season. So he really sets that tone. And I think that what the Patriots need to do more than anything is make sure they hold on to that culture because Brady helped establish that culture 20 years ago. And now he's the guy that is at the door and he's not going to be there anymore to keep that going. So Edelman, Hightower, McCourty, Slater, White, all those guys that really are putting a notice on themselves to fill that void and make sure that, that bar is still being set very high. Mm-hmm. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, outside of Cam Newton, this was an offense that I think um, it was surprising at times last year to see how much they struggled with, with Tom Brady still there. Um, A a lot of talk about, you know, there's still not being a lot of speed at the receiver position. Uh, I did like a lot of what you were talking about. I think that they could run the football uh, like crazy with cam behind center because he does take so much pressure off of, you know, so many parts of of the rest of the offense. I will say it was interesting watching uh, some of the uh, tape from his 2019 season or 2018 season with Carolina. It's amazing when you have a guy like Christian McCaffrey, how many more options you have in your offense and how scared the defense is playing against them. But I still think the, the, the Patriots have some really nice options in the backfield. We saw Sony Michelle the last two years against the bills. Um, but 
what are some of the big question marks? Obviously, Nikhil Harry, a little underwhelming in his rookie season. We mentioned it earlier in the show, Dante Skarnecchia retiring. Uh, are, are there enough pieces around Cam Newton for this offense in New England to improve this season? I think that's a really good question. I think that's kind of the thing that all these guys that they drafted in the last couple of years, you mentioned Sony, Damian Harris, Nikhil Harry, the two tight ends they drafted in the third round this year. Those are the guys that they're expecting to fill those roles and take that step and make that leap for them going forward. And especially Nikhil Harry, who's been down in the Houston area with the footworking on Twitter and he's been working on routes. He's been running a lot of different types of releases and just working on expanding his uh, route tree and understanding how to get open against defensive backs and really creating a lot more separation than what he did as a rookie, which was next to nothing. And I think that's really what they're hoping is internally. Nikhil Harry, Mohamed Sanu, uh, they really like Damari Bird, who they signed over from Arizona, who's a burner, runs in their low 4-2s, mid-4-2s. Uh, those types of guys, I think they're really expecting to rise up to the occasion. And some of the guys that they got last year, like Nikhil and Mohamed Sanu, to take a second-year leap and really be a guy that they can be an impact player. And you mentioned Christian McCaffrey. I think the cool thing about it with Cam is that later on in his career, when he got McCaffrey, he started to realize that checking it down to the running back is not the worst thing in the world sometimes, mm -hmm. right? And living to play another play and getting those five or six yards or having that guy break a tackle a field is, you know, something that can really be an explosive part of your offense. And the Patriots have James White. They have Rex Burkhead. They have guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield and be that pass catching threat like McCaffrey was in the Carolina offense, maybe not as dynamic as a ball carrier as McCaffrey is, but be able to do some of those elements as well. So I, it's really a question of, I think how much those guys that were in the system year one last year, Sanu, Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers, maybe a little bit too. How much did they take a leap? You know, how much can they get to that level, that next level to be able to be impact players in year two, especially looking at Nikhil Harry, you know, as a first round pick. I've, I've seen some stuff this week and, and we're going to get into this a little bit more um, after your segment, but just the, the sheer like lack of attention to what's happened this off season. A lot of people talking about, you know, this Patriots team as if it's going to be the same team as last year, except for Tom Brady, but there's a couple of big time losses on the defensive side of the ball. Kyle Van Noy, Jamie Collins, no longer there asking, you know, a rookie and Josh, Josh Uche, who, by the way, I'm very high on. I think he has the potential to be really good, but to ask him to come in and, and do some of the things that those two guys did in year one, I think is a big ask. If anybody could do, get him to do it, it's probably Bill Belichick. But I mean, are you expecting this defense to be as good, especially, you know, in the front seven? Yeah, I think that's a, also a good point is that that Kyle Van Noy departure, especially really did, went under the radar because they lost Brady and ended up trading Gronk and all that kind of stuff. Benoit last year played 90% on the line of scrimmage. So he was an outside edge rusher, outside linebacker type of player for them. And he's really like a hybrid defender. He's a guy that can play inside. He can play outside. He can play in coverage. He can rush the passer. He can play the run. He really does set a really good job setting the edge. And he was one of those players that led the team in pressures last year, really broke out in 2019 and became a guy that was going to make over 10 and a half million dollars in free agency because of his season on his contract year a year ago. And now they're going to look really, I would say John Simon as a veteran is one guy that might be able to plug that hole for the time being while some of the younger guys work their way up. But I think Winovich in particular is going to have a massive role as that weak side edge rusher away from the tight end where he can use his speed and get off the ball and chase guys down from behind. That's going to have to be a role that he's going to have to play because 
Simon was on that side. Now Simon's got to move over to the strong side because because uh, KVN is gone and Winovich is going to have to be the guy that steps in there. And then maybe Uche sprinkles in like Winovich did as his rookie. Winovich played about 30% as a rookie, 30% of the snaps as a rookie. Maybe that's what Uche does this year. So they do have some guys like a Simon, I think that can be that guy for them that is sort of a bridge until some of these younger guys do develop. But in Franny Jennings, Uche, they can eventually be those types of players. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Uche plays off the ball a little bit too. Well, those games were fun last year. Buffalo, New England for the first time in a couple decades were finally uh, pretty competitive. I thought, you know, going through all of the, all of the game, the, the quarters, I thought the bills played pretty well in most of them. And, you know, going back, it's Tom Brady, it's Bill Belichick, it's the dynasty. They, they've they been there before. They know how to win games, even games that they probably should have, especially the game in Buffalo. I thought the Bills played a lot better. Where do you anticipate that rivalry going this season? Because, you know, obviously there's, you know, I, I we were talked about a little bit with Elena. I think this defense in Buffalo has a chance to be even better uh, than it was a year ago, which I think is good in a division with, potentially two young quarterbacks and a new quarterback, whether it be Jared Stidham or Cam Newton. Uh, But what are your impressions from, from a, from a new England perspective? Well, I think it's kind of cool that if Cam's a starter in New England, then we're going to have Cam versus Josh Allen, who's the guy that they always compare to Cam. So that, that'll be fun. And uh, we'll get to see, you know, the 10 years from now, maybe this is the guy Josh Allen can be, you know, and uh, Mm -hmm. I think that that's a fun part of it. And I, I give, the Bills all the credit in the world for the two games that they played against the Patriots last year. You know, really took the first game, kind of changed on that block punt that got returned for a touchdown. That was a big score in that game. And then the Bills almost had it at the end there. The Patriots just made one more play defensively with that zero blitz on Josh Allen. And I think that really the next step, looking at it from an outside in with the Bills and the Patriots, is that can Josh Allen get to that point where the zero blitz doesn't fluster him anymore or the turnovers against the Patriots like he had in the first game in Buffalo don't happen and don't snowball on him like that as well. So that's really what Bill Belichick does. He does it to the best of him. It's not just Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, for example, had all sorts of problems with Belichick's scheme early on in his career as well in the first couple of starts against Belichick, especially in those first halves of those games. I'm sure everybody remembers the AFC championship game from 2018, that first half, you know, Mahomes really had a lot of trouble and they ended up shutting them out in the first half. And I think that's an element uh, to Belichick that will always exist. That young quarterbacks, he's going to spin the dial on you in the secondary. He's going to throw a bunch of different pressure looks at you and you're going to have to be ready to react to all of them. And a guy like Josh Allen or a guy like Mahomes, as good as they can be physically, you know, with their physical talent, sometimes that does catch up to them mentally a little bit when they're going up against Belichick. So I think that the next element for the Bills if they're going to surpass the Patriots and beat the Patriots head to head is if Josh Allen mentally can take that next step. Now it does help when Stefan Diggs is on his team now and, uh, mm-hmm. and he got a few more weapons there. So maybe that makes it a little bit easier, but that's really, I think what's going to be fun. And I, I just love that both of these teams have great defenses. So you got great defense against great defense. And I think it will be a lot of fun again next year. And uh, I think that the bills are headed in the right direction, certainly. And I'm very jealous that Stefan Diggs is on a bus the bills that's for sure <laughs> yeah we're definitely looking forward to uh we haven't been able to even chat with him yet because uh we haven't had any press conference with him or, or anything like that i guess he's not a big zoom fan uh so we'll we'll see if uh, uh we can get him once training camp starts but it's funny you mentioned josh allen's progression and how important that is i think that the the bills as an organization feel that i mean the confidence yeah in him has never wavered. I've never sensed, especially with Brandon, who 
uh, Brandon Bean, the general manager, who's who's so confident in him, maybe to a fault. Eventually, we'll, we'll see how this thing all plays out. But they've gone to you know all, everybody they could. He spent two hours with Tony Romo at the Super Bowl talking about mechanics and and little things, little knickknacks that Tony picked up over the course of his career to, to for Josh to take back to California, where him and Sam Darnold worked with Jordan Palmer. He had a Zoom meeting. Uh, the offensive quarterbacks room had a Zoom meeting with Peyton Manning uh, this offseason, and of course Brett Favre, who I think this is now the second straight uh, offseason where Josh got to connect with him a little bit. So I, I think that. I've maintained through this whole process with Josh Allen that it comes down to development because, you know, you're somebody that, you know, I've noticed really breaks down a lot of the tape of it all and really has an understanding for the game more so than even, you know, me. That's not really my area of, of expertise, but I can say that I think with professional football, when you come in as a raw prospect, as somebody that hasn't seen the kind of things that you're going to see at this next level, especially playing at a, a low tier school like Wyoming, where it's not even close to the same competition, there's got to be a little bit longer of a runway before we see what we can, what, what we really got here in this guy. Because every, even last year, even that Houston game, there was things that he was seeing for the first time where he his eyes were open a little bit, and you know the, one of them might have come after a concussion. Uh, he is not confirmed or not denied that, but you know he's still learning even after year two. Yeah, I think that quarterbacks continue to learn. I think Tom Brady would tell you that he's still learning things, you know, and and that's as much expertise as you can possibly get from a quarterback with Brady. And I think that there's a lot of misconceptions out there about Josh Allen as well and, like, what kind of quarterback he actually is. And I think people that don't really watch the Bills as much don't understand that there are things that he does very, very well that are on script. You know, I think everybody kind of watches a lot of tape on him or a lot of highlights on him where he's running with the ball or he's running outside the pocket and making, you know, 80-yard throws down the field or something like that. And they don't understand that, really, I, I would – give all the credit in the world to that coaching staff and to Brian Dable for really getting him to be able to function on time, on script, within the offense, and read out coverages and read through a progression and be able to sit there and read through an entire full field progression and make the decision with the ball that is supposed to be there, which I think it's amazing how quickly they've gotten him to that point from where he was at Wyoming, where he was basically just every time he hit the top of his drop, if there wasn't the first read open, he's taking off to the races somewhere. And the fact that he has developed beyond that now, even a couple of years in the footwork and the mechanics that he's developed along in the pocket as well, it's all really optimistic. Now, I think that Bills fans would agree that that accuracy, especially deep ball accuracy, is really that next domino. Now, he might be able to throw the ball out of the stadium, but you got to be able to hit the receiver. And I think that's the next element of his game from a passing standpoint where I would say he could really take the next step. But ultimately, it will come down to mentally, can he handle a Belichick scheme? Can he handle that was Romeo Cornell in the Houston uh, Texans game, obviously in the playoffs. Romeo knows just as much about Belichick as Belichick knows. And he saw Belichick, you know, fluster cam, uh, excuse me, Josh Allen with a few different things. And I'm sure that he picked up some stuff there as well. So it's definitely mentally, that's the number one thing. And I would say downfield accuracy, especially deep accuracy. Uh, you know, it's pretty hard to overthrow John Brown and, and Stefan Diggs. So maybe he'll end up being okay there too. <laughs> in addition to the, the mental standpoint, like you mentioned, you know, the one thing that Brian Dibble has done really well and Brandon Bean and, and company is they, they've built this offense for the wide receivers to create separation. Year one, it was Kelvin Benjamin, Zay Jones, oh, yeah. uh, Andre Holmes, guys who couldn't cr uh, create any kind of separation. And then you you get John Brown, Cole Beasley last year. You add Stephon Diggs. You have, you have Dawson Knox, who in that second Patriots game was probably open for about three touchdowns. 
but yeah. Allen just couldn't connect with him. So coming from where the Patriots have been the last few years, where they kind of struggled with separation themselves, how important is it for Allen to have those types of weapons at his disposal as he's so young and he's still learning to have those guys that can create, uh, create separation? Yeah, for it's frustrating for me as a as a Patriots guy because I look at it and say that's the type of receiver I wish Bill Belichick went after. You know, the Patriots just wasted a not wasted, but they just used a first round pick on Nikhil Harry with guys like AJ Brown or Debo Samuel or some of these more explosive, you know, better route runners, better at creating separation. Those types of guys that are further along in their development in that regard were just sitting there on the board. And the Patriots took a guy that's really good after the catch, that's got all the physical tools in the world, but needs a lot of the technical refinement. And those are some of the guys that they've struggled with in the past. Guys like an Aaron Dobson or a Chad Jackson that have busted out of New England, had all the physical abilities in the world, but it was between the ears and it was also the technique and the really getting down to the dirty details. So the Bills are doing the right thing in my mind, which is prioritizing separation oversize and the Patriots have kind of gone the opposite direction in recent years but guys like Nikhil or guys like Muhammad Sanu where they've got, tried to get some more size so I think that's really interesting that uh, both teams are kind of using a little bit of different approaches and I think the Patriots are looking at it you know the Bills are looking at it they want to get separation for their receivers to make Josh Allen better right and I think the Patriots are looking at it that they want to be able to really be able to run the football and I think they want to be a physical offense and I think that's why they've gone with some of these bigger body guys that can block especially like a guy like Nikhil Harry, who's a very physical blocker. I think that's what they want to be, is they want to be a pounded power team. And now with Cam, they can do that with a quarterback that can run, and then they can start incorporating play action and RPO and all that kind of stuff from there. So I think that the biggest thing for the Bills is that they're kind of going in the direction that most smart people would tell you to go in. If you talk to the guys at the PFF, you talk to the guys at Football Outsiders, they're going to tell you the best receivers, the best way to win on the outside is to create separation. Who's the guys that get open? Those are the best players in the game. The Patriots kind of think that maybe going with a more physical approach is the way to go. Great, great stuff, uh, Evan. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Uh, he is from CLNS Media. He covers the Patriots. He's a great follow uh, on social media. I know a lot of Bills fans probably aren't itching to, to, to follow Patriots reporters, but I think it's, it's fun to follow, uh, you know, the groups from all these different teams just to kind of keep up on your, uh, on the bills opponents. And, you know, he's definitely somebody to follow. So my man, thank you so much for taking some time tonight. Thanks guys. I appreciate it. Take care. So, so Ryan, we're at what are we, a little over an hour here uh, in the, in the feed or in the stream here. And before we get out of here and, you know, we got a, bunch of people still in here so if there's anything specifically you want us to hit on there's one topic i wanted to hit before we got before we do get out of here and we're going to have another live show uh next wednesday night really fun guest we'll announce that uh early next week uh but it's a uh another famous bills fan and i think that that will be uh, a fun one uh to get in but i i want to talk about what now what what's changed in the last four days in the afc east and you know, I, I was listening to, and I hate to call him out specifically, but I'm just going to use this example because I think it was, it was interesting. It was Bucky Brooks from NFL.com, and I was looking. I love Move the Sticks. Him and Daniel Jeremiah do such a great job. I, I, it's appointment listening to me most weeks, and I suggest anybody out there that that hasn't heard it go give it a listen. But Bucky, you know, he's just going to get a little bit of my ire this week because I just thought it was. It was funny because he's been he's actually been real pro Bills. And and I'm not sitting here saying like I need people to be pro Bills, not by any stretch of the imagination. But 
what I think people are assuming has changed in this division because of one player, one person with all these question marks that we've discussed over the last not, uh, 80 minutes, 70 minutes, I think is crazy. And he, and they're talking about on the podcast this week, like, ah, the pages are going to win 11, 12 games. And I, I just don't see it. I, I know it's bill Belichick and I know it's this, um, this dynasty that's been so successful, but I just think that with the way the bills have built this team and the continuity that's there and the, I w- it would have to be a, a complete offensive meltdown for me from the bills in 2020 with a, albeit a tougher schedule for this thing to go poor. I just think that the Patriots have lost too much to be considered. It's a dead ringer. They're going to win. They're going to win 12 games. Yeah, I agree with that. And unless you were sitting there thinking this was a nine win team with Jarrett Stidham. And by the way, if you are thinking that you're delusional, uh, if that's where you were at though, then yeah, Cam Newton might win you one or two more games, but I just don't see it either. I don't see that 11, 12 wins on the schedule. All the AFC teams have a very tough stretch this year. And, and you're looking at a, a, a uh, Cam Newton, as good as he's been, as great as he's been, having to learn this offense in such a short time, having to play some of those really tough teams here early on in the season in New England, I, I just don't see it either. I think that the Bills have more overall talent. I think that Brendan Bean and Sean McDermott have done such a good job since 2017 of building up the talent and the depth here that this truly is the year that they were sitting there saying, this is the year that we can overtake the division, Tom Brady or not. And I think that they are well positioned to do that going into the year. Now, obviously, like you said, health matters. We don't know what's going to happen in 2020. The Bills could lose one or two key players, and all of a sudden you're looking at a really long season. That can happen to any team on any given year. But as of right now, no, not much has changed in terms of the overall dynamics of the AFC East. I see the Bills being the leaders in the clubhouse. The Patriots, like I said, maybe one or two more wins are up there because of that Cam Newton addition. But you did a great job of illustrating the losses on the defense. Dante Scarnecchia, who if this offensive line struggles in 2020, there's going to be even more heaping praise for this guy as maybe the greatest offensive line coach in history because of all that he's done throughout his career. There just seems to be some some media bias. And I guess maybe the Patriots deserve that based on their overall success over the last 20 plus years. But there seems to be some bias where they can do no wrong. Indeed. I think you put a nice little bow uh, on this episode. I don't think there's much more to add. And I will say, listen, Cam Newton, if, if he's even 70% uh, of the guy that he's been, whether it be twenty eight, early 2018 or 2015, I mean, th- th- they're still going to be a, a force to be reckoned with. But I like, like we've mentioned in this podcast over and over again, it, the time for – underplaying the expectation is past the the build is complete the team has continuity in the on the roster in the coaching staff the expectations for this bills team should be high and so i think that for you to kind of change that after you know one player who's you know not really been able to stay healthy and we don't even know who's going to be the starter on day one in 2020 i just think it's a little bit funny but listen we get we got a we got a whole bunch more weeks to talk about all this stuff uh talking about potentially moving the uh the active rosters um or the the total rosters from 90 to 75 with the um shortened preseason and 
Uh, so man, we could have a whole bunch of little topics that, that pop up over the next few weeks that we got to dive into. Uh, we are going to get out of here. This has been another episode of the shout, the Buffalo football podcast. He is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. Thank you so much for watching. And if you could for us, wherever you get your podcast, if you listen on audio, I know this is the video version, make sure you subscribe, leave us a little rating and a review. We'd really appreciate it. Have a great Wednesday night. We will see you right back here next Wednesday on YouTube. Have a great night, guys.